BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's the Tom Hartman podcast brought to you by Cameron Hughes Wine. There's a little secret that most people don't know about the highest quality wineries in the United States and how they work. They'll say, you know, as they start their year, okay, we're going to bottle, say, 5,000 bottles of wine this year. And so they overproduce for that, produce enough for maybe 6,000 bottles of wine. But, you know, they've, they've sold 5,000, they're ready to get 5,000 out. And so that's basically all they do under their own label. And then when they're done, they've got casks of wine left over that haven't been bottled. Cameron Hughes contracts with some of the very best vineyards in America to take that essentially surplus wine. I mean, you know, it's the exact same wine you would buy in a bottle for 50, 60, 100. Uh, one of the Cameron Hughes wines I had last week, the retail price, if you knew who the brand was, was over $150 a bottle. Cameron Hughes buys that in bulk, bottles it, puts just a simple number. Here it is, lot 506 or lot 622. Simple number on it, and you get some of the most spectacular wines at huge discounts off what you would normally pay. Cameron Hughes has been doing this since 2001, seeking out high-end wine from around the world and selling it online direct to his customers. This is not just American wines. Earning Cameron Hughes Wine the number one wine brand online. It's just extraordinary stuff. Uh, I recently sampled Lot 609. This is a Cabernet Sauvignon. It was insane. It was so good. It was bold. It was rich. It had the, the black fruit and red licorice and crushed red rock. All these, these extraordinary tastes, juicy and ripe on the palate. You got to check this out. Go to chwine.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M. C-H as in Cameron Hughes. That's his name. He, the guy who started the company and runs it. I've talked with him. He's a great guy and he's doing amazing stuff. chwine.com slash T-H-O-M. Or text the word wine, W-I-N-E. Text the word wine to 511-511 and you'll get free shipping with your minimum three bottle order. So text wine to 511-511. Cameron Hughes Wine. Exceptional value. Extraordinary wine. Now enjoy the podcast. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. The U.S. Foreign Agents Registration Act was passed in 1938. It's referred to as FARA, F-A-R-A, Foreign Agent Registration Act. And OpenSecrets.org has launched a new uh, subset. They're calling it the Foreign Lobby Watch Program. 
And what they have found is that all told, just since last year, just since January of last year, right, a year and a half, all told foreign governments and foreign principals that would be billionaires in foreign countries and the foreign countries themselves have already spent over a half billion dollars lobbying in the United States. Now, this doesn't, doesn't cover investments that they've made in campaigns, uh, in, in flipping elections, in, in research and, and, and things like that, and how to, how to message a half a billion, more than a half a billion dollars in the last year and a half just to get legislation passed or policies passed in the Trump White House that are favorable to their specific countries. Now, you know, if that sparks in your mind the idea of, wow, there really is a conspiracy out there. Well, yeah, there really is. But it's right out in the open. It's right out, you know, and, and uh, OpenSecrets.org is making it more in the open. This, this is this is an effort of a long-funded, long-operating Citizens United Open the Door effort by foreign governments and foreign billionaires to influence American politics. And it's rolling on. Now, that's a real conspiracy. The phony conspiracies are things like, you know, QAnon, which looks like it was actually started out by left-wing trolls trying to punk right-wingers. And uh, Alex Jones and Infowars and Sandy Hook was a false flag. 9-11 was a false flag. Uh, Agenda 21, remember this, the UN is going to do away with American sovereignty. Right. Well, it turns out that the Holy Fire in Southern California, which has already burned more than 18,000 acres, and this was as of Friday, over 20,000 American citizens in, over 20,000 people in California have been forced to flee their homes. Last week, last Wednesday, and this didn't get much publicity at all, and I have a feeling it might have something to do with the politics of this guy, although that is in and of itself a conspiracy theory, I'll just tell you right up front. On Wednesday, uh, Forrest Gordon Clark, ironic that his first name is Forrest when he's setting fire to forests, 51 years old, he was arrested for starting this fire, This what is now forced 20,000 people out of their homes and burned 18,000 acres, the so-called holy fire. So who is this guy? Well, it turns out he's a right-wing conspiracy nut. He's a big fan of QAnon. He's been pushing QAnon all over the place. Uh, he, he said uh, he's also a, a fan of Alex Jones and Infowars, Alex's website. He's been promoting on social media the idea that 9-11 was a false flag operation, you know, designed to drag the United States into a war, and that Sandy Hook was a false flag operation designed to take guns away from good white people. Clark also pushed other deep state conspiracy theories. This is from a piece over on Daily Kos by Casey Michael. Uh, he's also pushing uh, the idea that Agenda 21 will effectively eliminate American sovereign rights. Agenda 21, you know, the, the word agenda, what, what they mean is that there was this conference, a UN conference in, as I recall, uh, Argentina, uh, a couple of years back, and they had all these different agendas, you know, which were actually different breakout sessions for conversation that you could go to. The, the, it wasn't an agenda like a policy agenda. This was, the, they referred to, the, it was a bad choice of words. And the tw- room number 21, or the room that was designated for the 21st group, they referred to it as Agenda 21. And, you know, it had nothing to do with taking away sovereignty from American citizens. But that's, you know, it's just it was just enough for Alex Jones and the crazies to go nuts on it. 
And uh, this, this is remarkable. There's also an indication that Clark may have leaned on some of these conspiracy theories when looking for justification for allegedly setting the massive fire. Clark, who wrote on Facebook that he will, quote, soon see the coming of our Lord in the clouds of glory, end quote, posted late last year that the fires in California were direct evidence that Agenda 21 was afoot. He, did a, he produced a video saying that the fires show that we're seeing Agenda 21 in action. Agenda 21 is here. But apparently nobody was buying the idea that the U.N. wanted to destroy the United States. And so this guy decided that the way to convince Americans that Agenda 21 is real and that the wildfires are an attempt to force us into it was to start his very own wildfire. Incredible. Meanwhile, the uh, aides to Donald Trump regularly have to remind him that uh, foreign leaders are not awake at, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon if they happen to live in China uh, to, in the afternoon our time. This uh, from Emily Birnbaum over at The Hill. Sources close to Trump told Politico the president often proposes phone calls with world leaders, including uh, Prime Minister of Japan Shinzo Abe, at times when they would likely be asleep. One source told Politico when he wants to call someone, he wants to call someone. He's impulsive that way. He doesn't think about what time it is or who it is. All right. And finally, a new study. This is from PLOS One. This is a scientific journal. Uh, says that the U.S. Department of Agriculture's food guidelines, our dietary guidelines, what you should eat, because they're so heavy on milk, milk and dairy, that under current farming practices, if the world adopted the United States standards for food, we would not have enough food produced by our planet. In fact, we would have to have an additional country the size of Canada dedicated to nothing but food production, which, of course, isn't going to happen. Amazing stuff. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Which means, of course, that it's time to radically dial back the animal products in our diet. In fact, back to zero is the healthiest thing you can do. It's time to check in with Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. On the line with us is the author of Sideswipe, former Congressman Bob Nay. Congressman, welcome back to the program. What's uh, happening in the world today? Well, thank you, Tom. Uh, I'm sure that there's been a lot of chatter, obviously, on Omarosa and the things you know that she's been talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I want to point out one thing that I haven't uh, yet seen the press dig into, uh, and it's to talk about the, the uh, skiff room. And that's you know, the secure communications calling... room, right? I'm or, sorry, but that... that's a secure room that where you're not allowed to bring recording devices or transmitting devices because they could be hacked by foreign spies. That's right. And they they lock the door. You go in, they set a code and then there's an electronic mechanism, basically, that will not allow for eavesdropping or a transmission out in these skiff rooms. Right. And of course, there are rooms within rooms. And in the media, I'm seeing that, you know, that it's called the White House Situation Room, uh, but it is a skiff room. And the reason I'm I'm dwelling on this is because I'm trying to figure out why she would be called into that room to be told that she no longer had a job. There's something to that. Those rooms are to be used for national security purposes, uh, also interests of our national defense. So I might be hyping this a little bit, but I'm trying to figure out why he would have had to have called her into that room. That's interesting. Well, maybe there's sure. more on this. Maybe she's recorded more that is going to boggle our minds. Uh, we'll well, see. There's, there's something because, again, you would call her into the office. You would not take her into that particular room. So I, right. I think there's something to it. We don't know yet, 
that I bet something will come out. Hmm. Uh, on so you that. think the other shoe, when it drops, is going to drop around that fact? That's There's fascinating. Yes, yeah. because you, you don't you don't use that room. We have one in the Capitol. They have them in the White House, you know, the State Department. You don't use those rooms to call employees in to terminate them. Yeah. You simply don't. And hmm. that, that's really an improper use, frankly, of the room. Okay. So, you know, they're talking about her improper use. Well, that's an improper use. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're also looking at the uh, the uh, healthcare issue because the Democratic uh, side has latched onto something because the Republicans are in a jeopardy situation uh, for a couple of reasons. One, they're in problems because of the fact that uh, they did nothing with health care. And as a result of that, uh, because their base is upset, they're going to they're gonna, you know, lose a bit of support, obviously, on that. The premiums uh, are going to, to hike up. And the other thing is the Democratic side has really gotten smart on this one, Tom, because they're they're targeting and they're zeroing in on candidates. For example, let's take West Virginia as an example. The attorney general there who is running in the Senate against uh, Manchin, Senator Manchin, filed uh, motions on the uh, Health Care Act. So they're they're targeting into him to say, you know, you not only are supporting the Republican line, you tried to do undo the Health Care Act itself. Wow. And then they're doing that in Missouri with uh, the AG that filed there. Rick Scott in Florida, uh, he did not expand Medicaid as uh, Republican Governor John Kasich did in Ohio. Right. He and famously has so Charlene Dill's zero- blood on his hands. Right. Right. And so they are zeroing in not just the fact of what the Republican Senate has not done, you know, uh, to to. Uh, support health care, but they're zeroing in on the fact people like Rick Scott, in fact, even went further and didn't help people through not expanding Medicare. Mm-hmm. I mean, Medicaid. So yeah. it's a very, very bright tactic, and I and and it's a good one because nobody would ever have dreamed that health care would be turned on the Republicans, you know, who promised to do something about. It. And of course, the premiums are going to jump right. in the fall. Yep. So that's you know that's going to occur too. And then the uh, other story, which is interesting, has no correlation to the Republicans, but uh, the Republicans have not been, uh, uh, you know, out front in tackling the opioid crisis till recent times. And it's ending up that uh, this whole misnomer that while the opioid crisis is just in the cities, it actually is in more of the Republican districts in general than it is in the Democratic districts. Now, it's everywhere in the country, but it's a more intensity and particularly Appalachia region and in the South. Yeah, I, th- I find it ironic that the Republican districts tend to be the poorer districts in the United States, um, you know, with the possible right. exception of some urban areas. But broadly speaking, Republicans represent the poorest people in this country, and they, they have committed themselves to trashing poor people, uh, you know, right on down to, you know, ripping, ripping people in prisons off if they want to send a, a, an email message. It's it's mm-hmm. it's just it's mind boggling. Anyhow, back to you, Bob. Oh, it is right, and uh, and that now they're looking at prison reform because of President Trump. And then, then again, you had entities like Unicor, which hired people uh, in prisons, paid them nothing, uh, slave labor, and then made profit as a private corporation on the outside. Right. You know, and, and Republicans uh, again were never for reforming the system, you know, until now President Trump is, is you know, Well, now, now Trump wants to dial back uh, uh, regulatory protection for soldiers from being ripped off by car dealers and banks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, every, everything, like, nothing's <sighs> making 
a particular sense in a straight pattern. Well, if you if you believe that there's any integrity left in the Republican Party, yes. <laughs> if you don't, then it all makes perfect sense. <laughs> but anyhow, That's back true. to you, Bob. And then, of course, the firing of the uh, the FBI agent. I'm sure you'll, Strzok, yeah. you'll be talking about that quite a lot today. Uh, I was a bit surprised they fired him. I mean, what took so long if they were going to fire him, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they got a lot of heat on it, and so I think it's more. Well, and that's a that's. A, I just I just retweeted his uh, the notice of his being fired and said this is a sad day for law enforcement in the United States. I mean, law enforcement officials should have a First Amendment right of free speech. They should be able to, on their own time and on their own account, mm-hmm. say whatever sure. they want to say as long as it's not you know patently offensive or arguing in favor of violence or something like that. And this right. guy tweeted against Trump, and now he's gone. And if the FBI is bowing to political pressure, particularly, you know, hard right political pressure, that's a really bad sign for American law enforcement, in my opinion. Correct. And there's a, a bad morale in the FBI anyway, and I yeah. think this will create you know, more of it. And then we're watching uh, the international story of the meeting of North and South Korea presidents. Uh, this will be their third meet. It'll be in the DMZ, the militarized zone, I assume in the place they call the Freedom House. This and is next so month, right? Will- Yes, it'll be in September. Uh, they'll talk about high-level issues. Uh, so at, at least that is proceeding, unlike um, the Iran-America situation, unfortunately. Uh, Zarif, uh, Javed Zarif, the foreign minister, said today, you know, once the sanctions kick in, uh, there will be no communication. Of course, you know, I would, I would assume that because... Uh, the sanctions can't be all well with with north korea we've got an ally in the region south korea that wants to see peace happen is there an ally in the middle east that wants to see peace with iran happen no no israel and saudi arabia do not want peace with iran there's a lot of other countries that do not want well when i say peace with iran they don't want america and iran to uh communicate Wow. They have other intentions, and it's called war. Yeah, uh, this is not a good thing. Uh, Bob Ney, Congressman, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. Great talking with you. Uh, the, new, the news is a wake-up, right? It's time to wake up, which means we need to get politically involved. We need to mobilize. We need to be active. I've been using the Muse EEG neurofeedback headband. I'm not sure that's exactly what they call it, but... The website is choosemuse.com. It's a little headband you put on, um, just sets over your ears, sort of like a pair of glasses, only it goes across the forehead. And it actually reads your brain waves, your EEG, and feeds it back to you through a free app on your, on your smartphone into your earphones, into your, into your ears, as the sounds of weather. And as your brain gets more agitated, the weather gets louder, and as your brain gets calmer, and more peaceful and more meditative, the weather gets softer and the waves get softer. And you start hearing little birds when you're having really cool brainwave activity that's associated with the way that good meditators do it. It's a meditation instruction tool. And meditation is such an incredible thing. It, it you know helps concentration, focus, lowers blood pressure. I've been using this for about four or five months now. And I have noticed in my daily writing, because I've, I've got a 10 book contract right now and I'm writing so much every single day. I used, to, I used to sit down to write and say, okay, I'm going to write for an hour. And half of that hour was spent with distractions. I'd think of this and think of that. And, oh, I need to check my email. Oh, I got to do that. And, and I would constantly distract myself and then eventually come back to it. Since I've started using the Muse, now when these distractions pop up, just like they do in my meditation, I've learned how to, just like in my meditation, say, oh, that's a distraction. I'll let go of that. I'll come back to that later. I'm going to get back to writing. And now 
instead of getting 30 minutes worth of work done in an hour of sitting and writing, I'm getting 50 or 60 minutes of work done in an hour of sitting and writing. It's really extraordinary. The, you can learn all about it at choosemuse, M-U-S-E, choosemuse.com. And if you order using the code TOM, T-H-O-M, you get $30 off. So check it out. It's great. Choosemuse.com. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Donald Trump is being attacked by uh, Amorosa, Manigault Newman, and because she's African-American, of course, how is he going to respond? The same way he responds to pretty much all African-Americans he doesn't like, he's going to call her stupid. And sure enough, there you go. She is, quote, vicious but not smart. Donald Trump is tweeting, black people not smart. This is the racist trope, right? This is the sales pitch that the white racists have made to other white people for 400 years in what's now the United States. And Donald Trump is still promoting it. And the fact that this doesn't shock us should shock us, frankly. Meanwhile, the White House, while they're perfectly happy to use our soldiers as props They are instead working with the banks to destroy the lives of our soldiers. This from NPR. NPR has obtained documents that show that the White House is proposing changes that critics say would leave service members vulnerable to getting ripped off when they buy cars. Separately, the administration is taking broader steps to roll back enforcement of the Military Lending Act. The MLA, the Military Lending Act, is supposed to protect service members from predatory loans and financial products. And then they asked an attorney about this. This is Christopher Peterson. He's a law professor at the University of Utah. He reviewed these documents coming out of the White House. And he says, if the White House does this, it will be manipulating the Military Lending Act regulations at the behest of auto dealers and banks to try and make it easier to sell overpriced ripoff products to military service members. Well, it shouldn't surprise you. I mean, remember Trump was involved with that phony veterans group back before the election. Then they basically, they were raising money for Trump as veterans. And then, you know, the, the leaders of the group were putting the money in their pocket and they were sending some of it to Trump. I think more and more people are waking up to this. I, you know, one of the indications I got from this, I was talking to a dear friend of mine over the weekend. We'll call him George. And he was regularly getting together with another person that, that he and I both knew, uh, Jack. This was down in the L.A. area. And every week, once a week at this restaurant in that area. And Jack is really outspoken, right? And he can be fairly loud. Well, he was also quite elderly. I don't think he heard that well. He certainly was losing his sight. But Jack would speak loudly about how much he hated Trump. And over time, I mean, they met every week in this restaurant and people would overhear the conversation and come over and join them. Oh, yeah, I hate Trump, too. And it became like this weekly little social group. They called themselves the Hate Trump Club. And uh, Jack died a few months ago. And uh, George was telling me on Sunday that uh, he went back to the, to the restaurant to see if the, the club was still meeting. And sure enough, there they were, same time, same place, and still calling themselves the Hate Trump Club. I wonder if this is something that's happening all across the United States or if it's uh, something that is going to happen all across the United States. Meanwhile, while Trump is tweeting about how stupid black people are, Kyle Griffin is tweeting. This is he's tweeting an article from Politico and he writes, Trump kept calling on the telephone, calling world leaders while they were asleep because he apparently has difficulty understanding time zones. According to Politico, Trump aides have had to explain the issue, time zones, 
which one diplomatic source said came up on a, quote, a constant basis. That should concern us all. I mean, you know, there is this story out there that Trump, Amorosa is actually talking about it, that Trump is actually in mental decline, whether it's age or whether it's Alzheimer's or whether it's just normal age-related cognitive decline, who knows? There's a thing floating around the internet, it's been a while since I saw it, I'm guessing it's still up on YouTube, where they flash back and forth and back and forth and back and forth between Donald Trump in the 1980s, being very articulate, being very informed, knowing what he was talking about, speaking in full sentences and entire paragraphs, and then Donald Trump in 2016 or 17, talking in slogans and repeating himself two and three times and, and you know, mangled sentences and things like that. Meanwhile, apropos of the D.C. event over the weekend, a couple of thoughts on this. First of all, if I came on the air and said, okay, Black Lives Matter is holding a demonstration, the entire national media is showing up for it, D.C. police are escorting the Black Lives Matter folks on their own train car into the city and escorting them with police protection to, you know, Liberty Park or Freedom Park or whatever this thing is called, you know, the new whatever near the White House. And the police are protecting them and guarding them. And well, like in Portland, they guarded the white supremacists and they injured several anti-fascist protesters. If I said that, you would probably think, nah. And of course, no. But that's what happened with the right wingers, the hate-filled white racist terrorist supporters were told by the D.C. police, yeah, we've got your back. We're going to take you in. It's all good. We'll protect you, just like they did here in Portland a few weeks ago. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., the restaurants of that city had their very own message, which was very much in contrast to the message of the police department for these white racists. Kingfisher restaurant, they had signs on both doors. One said, free popcorn, except for Nazis who can go F themselves. And then the one at the other door said, all are welcome with an asterisk, and then the asterisk says, except racist, fascist, S-heels, <laughs> they could F right off. Another restaurant, this is from Cafe Chocolate. DC is great because it's diverse, multi-ethnic, and multicultural, and we'll keep it that way. Outside Glenn's Garden Market, it says, haters gonna hate, but they ain't gonna hate in this house. Comet Ping Pong says, all are welcome except white supremacists. This was a sign on their door. Here's another door sign. This is from courtesy of Powell. No shirts, no shoes, no service. We reserve the right to refuse service to jerks, neo-Nazis, including but not limited to alt-right, proud boys, patriot prayer, patriot front, something clowns, etc. This from the passenger restaurant in D.C. Is your mom proud of you today? Probably not if you're Nazi scum. This have these signs. This is a chalk sign right out in front of the restaurant. This one is from Sugar Donuts Shack. And coffee says donuts are all about love. Sugar Shack welcomes tolerance and kindness. We don't serve hate here. The Mate in Georgetown, humanity is based on tolerance and respect. That's it. Hate is not served here. And Boucher's Saloon, love over hate, love over indifference, love over ignorance, love over ego, love over fear, love over barriers, love over borders, and over again. Sweet. So a lot of that going on. In the meantime... Over on Daily Kos, 
Bill in Portland, Maine writes, good morning. Another week begins and a majority of Americans still want Medicare for all universal back checks on gun purchases, equality for gay citizens or LGBTQ citizens, immediate congressional action to protect dreamers, convenient access to safe abortion services, pay parity, an EPA that actually protects the environment, treating our NATO allies as allies, humane immigration policies, the Mueller investigation to continue, appropriate scorn for racists, bigots, and misogynists, respect for the rule of law, livable minimum wage, net neutrality protections, pay maternity and sick leave, less influence in elections by corporations and the wealthy, full funding and strengthening of the Affordable Care Act, strong independent press, reality-based sex ed, fully funded public schools, equal opportunities for women and minorities, criminal justice reform, more investment in green energy, higher taxes on the rich, restrictions on assault weapons, universal pre-K, consumer protections that actually protect consumers, marijuana legalization, and leaders who put country over party. Unfortunately, leaders who represent the minority of Americans are in charge at the moment. We can help change that in just 85 days. There you go. And then comrade E-L asterisk N-H asterisk S-K says a year ago, this rally drew hundreds of open neo-Nazis. Today, it grew 20. They admit it's because they don't feel safe. This victory is due to militant and occasionally violent anti-fascist organizing. This proves, Comrade tweets, concretely that Antifa tactics work. Very interesting. Why do you think all these Nazis didn't show up? Jeanette, watching Free Speech TV in Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, Jeanette, what's on your mind today? Hi, I learned so very much from your show, and I wanted to talk about Citizens United, but you bringing down the discussion of fires. We're in southern Wisconsin, and yet we're getting fog in the morning from the Canadian fires. And right now, Wisconsin has a lot of rain, and we have wonderful crops, but nothing's to happen if we don't realize that we could have constant drought here, and we could all be on fire, too. Yeah. So we better start to wake up. And then they say the 2020 election should have as a major issue uh, climate change, because we're all in this together, even though California's burning and we as human beings don't see that as our threat. It is our threat. Yeah, and that is climate change, by the way. So I'd like yeah. to talk about Citizens United, if I might. Sure. I watched uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi on television, and much of what she said a couple of days ago reinforced what I feel as a Democrat. But then she said she's a person of power and that she can bring so much money into the, po- into the uh, party. And, oh, boy, I didn't want to hear that. I want mm. money out of and uh, if you think Chris Collins is the with fifty four million dollars is the tenth richest congressman in the U.S. Congress, we've got to get the money out. And I wonder too if she is a person that can be replaced. And she has a lot of bad blood in the country about her, as Hillary did. And I'm wondering if we should not go with a younger face that doesn't hold all that baggage. Thank you. What's your comment, sir? I, you know, I think it's possible, Jeanette, but I'm also concerned that we're we're playing the, the Republicans game. I mean, they they went to extreme lengths over the eight years of Hillary Clinton's first lady time to uh, villainize and cartoonize her, to turn her into a caricature. Uh, you know, when she first became first lady, when Bill Clinton first became president in 93, uh, she said, I'm not going to be a first lady who just bakes cookies. She was going to be, you know, an actual involved in policy. And in fact, she proposed a, a national health care system. Right. It, n- it never got out of the White House, but she put together a task force and came up with this plan. And 
and she was pilloried for it. She was attacked for it. And those attacks never stopped, right, because she was a powerful woman. Nancy Pelosi is a powerful woman. The attacks never stop. I'm concerned that the Democratic Party is not pushing back against this kind of misogyny. These are wealthy, white, male Republicans who are attacking Hillary Clinton and or have attacked. I mean, she's kind of out of the public eye now. Uh, and Nancy Pelosi, and and basically, frankly, any other woman or person of color who dares to stand up. I would like to see the Democratic Party fighting back and saying, you know, what problem do you have specifically with Nancy Pelosi? I don't know of a problem with her. Do you? What will it take to overturn the Citizens United? It'll take Congress. It'll, it, it would take a, a constitutional amendment. I mean, arguably, it could be it done happening? by legislation, but I, I think it's going to take a constitutional amendment. That requires two-thirds of the House, two-thirds of the Senate, and three-quarters of the states. Do you see it possibly happening? Because we have a whole corrupt. Yeah, I absolutely see it happening, uh, Jeanette. And I think that the reason why is because, like yourself, uh, the rest of America is disgusted by the role of money in politics. And there is broad support for a constitutional amendment that would would overturn Citizens United. By broad, I mean more than 50%. But there's more than 50% support for a lot of things that are not happening right now because the billionaires and the Republicans control Congress. That's what we've got to change. Jeanette, thank you for the call. There's just, I mean, there's so much stuff in the news that I just, I, I want to bounce through a bunch of things for you real quickly here. Stephen Miller's uncle, uh, Dr. David Glosser, he's a re- retired neuropsychologist. He talks about the Jewish roots in Stephen Miller's mother's family, which he's uh, Stephen Miller's mother's brother. Stephen Miller, of course, the, the right-wing white supremacist in the White House who is dictating U.S. immigration policy and a very troubled guy. I mean, you, you look back even in his high school days, he was trashing Hispanics and, and black people. His uncle now has come out and said, and I quote, I have watched with dismay and increasing horror as my nephew, who is an educated man and well aware of his heritage, has become the architect of immigration policies that repudiate the very foundation of our family's life in this country. Glasser talks about how or their grandparents came over here from Europe, you know, fleeing the Nazis. He goes on, Trump publicly parades the grieving families of people hurt or killed by migrants, just as the early Nazis dredged up Jewish criminals to frighten and enrage their political base to justify persecution of all Jews. Now, that one made me stop. The Nazis in the early 30s, every time a Jew committed a crime, it became big news in the Nazi newspapers, and, and the Nazis promoted it. And once they took control of the newspapers in 1933, they promoted it all across the country for years. Here are the crimes Jews committed this week. Here are the Jew- crimes Jews committed this month. Here's another horrible Jewish criminal. Right? This is what the Nazis did. Trump is doing the same thing with brown-skinned immigrants. Do you think for a moment, if the people coming from Mexico had you know, looked the same as people coming from Norway that Trump would be doing this? I don't. This is all about, as Laura Ingram says, demographic changes. In other words, the browning of America. And it's, it's just not a good thing. There's an amazing uh, piece over at Wired.com about this company called JPay. And if you're in prison now in the United States in one of these private for-profit prisons, which are exploding across the country, and even some of the state-run prisons, if you want to send or receive a message, you have to pay per email to this company, JPay. 
they're making millions of dollars on prisoners because they figured out that if your family, if a member of your family is in prison, you'll do or pay just about anything to stay in touch with them. This is like just, I mean, we've become a nation of predators now that we've turned our governance over to the Republican Party and the billionaires. They're all, they're, they're greedy predators and they're preying on all of us. Here's another piece of this fear mongering. This is from Tony Perkins, the so-called Family Research Council. Beginning this month, they don't want any American child to escape. Read how we can stop them. They, government-run schools. The radicals, teachers. Tony Perkins, if a foreign enemy had plotted to infiltrate America, I'm not sure an enemy, an army of undercover subversives could have done more damage than our government-run schools. Leftists don't want a single American child to escape their thought control. They are crowding out true education. True education, of course, is what you get when you watch Fox News. Uh, He said, today's science classes will feature big government political propaganda, taking time and focus away from true science, not to mention attacks on the Bible and arrogant censoring of theories like intelligent design. So astronomy, evolution, climate change, this is government propaganda that is being promoted in our schools? Yeah, apparently. And finally, Ajit Pai, the head of the FCC, apparently lied to Congress. Over a million people tried to post yes, save net neutrality comments to the FCC's website. It crashed. Ajit Pai came out and said it was under attack and there weren't any posts. He told Congress this. He lied to Congress and we now know that he knew that he was lying. So will the the Democrats in Congress try to hold Ajit Pai accountable? I realize they don't have the power to do it. They might after January 20th. Will they hold Ajit Pai criminally responsible for lying to Congress? It's a five-year felony. Welcome back. Tom Harvin here with you. Peter Strzok just was fired by the FBI. Uh, Laura Jarrett, the uh, justice correspondent at CNN, is tweeting about this. Uh, The decision to fire agent, special agent Strzok, is not only a departure from typical bureau practice, this is from a statement by Strzok, but also contradicts Director Ray's testimony to Congress and his assurances that the FBI intended to follow its regular process in this and all personnel matters. This decision should be deeply troubling to all Americans, says Strzok. A lengthy investigation and multiple rounds of congressional testimony failed to produce a shred of evidence that Special Agent Strzok's personal views ever affected his work. In fact, in his decades of service, Special Agent Strzok has proved himself to be one of the country's top counterintelligence officers, leading to only one conclusion. The decision to terminate was taken in response to political pressure and has punished Special Agent Strzok for political speech protected by the First Amendment, not on a fair and independent examination of the facts. Amen. Actually, this is not from Strzok. This is apparently from uh, CNN. This is, this is uh, I absolutely agree. And uh, Democratic Underground just does, the, they, they do these really great little memes up at the top. You know, the, every week or every day they seem to produce a new one. Uh, this one, Wing, Wing Nuts of the Weekend, House GOP edition. In 2017, Steve West told a radio show that Hitler was right. West is now the Republican candidate for Missouri House District 15 after winning the Republican primary. In a secret recording at a GOP fundraiser, House Intel Committee Chairman Devin Nunes told donors that his job is to protect Trump at all costs. By the way, he's in Azerbaijan right now. Why? Who knows? I mean, they've got a bunch of billionaire oligarchs there, you know, big oil industry. 
Melissa Howard, the Republican candidate for the Florida House, posed with her diploma for a social media pic. Turns out her diploma and her degree are fakes. Bob Goodlatte, the Republican from Virginia, how popular is he? His own son just made the maximum possible donation to his Democratic opponent and urged voters to flip the district. And then finally, this is where it gets really bizarre. Representative Chris Collins, the 10th richest man in Congress of New York, has decided not to run for re-election after being arrested for insider trading. Stepping up to run for the seat is GOP stalwart Carl Palladino, who lost his previous job after saying Michelle Obama, quote, should return to being a male and be let loose in the outback of Zimbabwe. That's the guy who's running as the Republican now. Uh, I don't know if he's got it nailed down, but, uh, you know, what an incredible story. Congressman Rokana is here taking your calls. The hate groups are not only not so much showing up in D.C., but on the flip side, they're doing spectacularly in infiltrating our college campuses and media. This is the story that is basically not being told in our corporate media. And what most Americans really want. We'll be getting into all these things as the day goes on. But to start off with, Congressman Ro Khanna, he represents California's 17th district. Khanna, K-H-A-N-N-A dot house dot gov is his website. You can tweet him at rep, as in representative, rep, Ro, R-O, Khanna, K-H-A-N-N-A. Congressman, welcome back to the program. I appreciate it. Always enjoy being back on. And I should add, you are the vice chair, as I recall, of the Congressional Progressive Caucus? I am. Cool. So I'm curious broadly what's on your radar these days. You know, two of the big stories internationally, it seems like we're in the middle of a massive destruction of human rights or destruction of humans in Yemen collaborating with the Saudis. And also I'm curious your take on what we saw in Washington, D.C. over the weekend. Sure. I appreciate your bringing up the Yemen situation. It's the largest humanitarian crisis right now in the world comparable in some cases to what Rwanda was like. I had, with Mark Pocan, introduced a war powers resolution about a year ago to stop the United States from aiding the Saudis in their indiscriminate bombing of Yemen. We're basically fueling their planes. We're helping them with targeting assistance. Senator Sanders had introduced a companion resolution in the Senate. Unfortunately, it failed in the Senate. We haven't gotten a vote in the House. But the situation has gotten worse. I mean, just this past couple of weeks, you can't help but be horrified. Bombing of young kids, bombing of civilians, nearly 10 million Yemenis facing possible famine or malnourishment, millions facing cholera. So as soon as Congress gets back, I'm going to try to introduce another war powers resolution to stop the United States from aiding the Saudis in this atrocity and get them to agree to Griffith's plan. Griffith is the U.N. special envoy there and has a very reasonable plan, which I think the parties can come around. In terms of the hate speech, I would just say two things of these hate groups. I mean, one, it was heartening to see the counter-protesters vastly outnumber those who were marching for bigoted right-wing ideology. But you're absolutely right about these groups having uh, tried to infiltrate our college campuses And I think we have to be vigilant to not let them appropriate the language of patriotism or to be ignorant of American history. Let me give you one example. When the president talked about how he wants immigrants just from Norway and not the other countries, I think he hasn't read Lincoln in 1858 during July 4th. Lincoln gave a speech actually arguing that 
immigrants from Scandinavia, from Norway, should be part of the American family, because back then they weren't considered American, and the argument was that they couldn't trace their roots all the way back to the founding. And Lincoln said, no, no, the Scandinavians are Americans too, even though they don't have ancestors in the founding, because they are linked by the famous line, the electric cord that connects us all to the Declaration of Independence. So uh, we actually have American history on our side and patriotism on our side. And I think it's really important we share those examples because the right wing is out there to tell a very distorted view of American patriotism on our college campuses. Yeah, I've got a piece here in the Washington Post that writes, in the past 15 months, organizations such as the Traditionalist Worker Party, Identity Europa, American Renaissance, and Vanguard America directed campaigns at more than 200 college campuses in 42 states. Matthew Heimbach, who started the Traditionalist Workers' Party, white-only party, said it's striking a blow directly at the heart of our foes and points out that his organization, the membership in his organization, has tripled in the past year. What do you think is the most effective way to push back against this sort of thing, this kind of hate? I think it's, of course, one, counter-mobilization. So we need to have people at the college campuses for our perspective. But one thing I would point out is we shouldn't just do it in terms of generic philosophy or ethnic studies or humanities. A lot of times the more liberal perspectives get framed in a cosmopolitan framework, which is great, but you actually don't need that. You could actually have American history classes properly understood talking about what patriotism really means, because what the right is doing is just distorting American history. So I personally think we ought to have classes, mobilization on speakers on college campuses to reclaim the proper narrative of American history. Yeah, it seems like a good idea. And with regard to Yemen, is there a partisan dimension to this? You know, one of the interesting things is it's somewhat bipartisan in that you have people like Rand Paul and uh, Walter Jones or Congressman Yoho, folks who have been skeptical of interventionism abroad, supportive of an effort to restrain our aid to the Saudis, and we've come in heavily on the side of the Saudis, and it's inching us to a greater conflict with Iran. All right, let's pick up some phone calls. Glenn in Hesperia, California. You're on the air with Congressman Khanna. How you doing, Congressman? This, what I'm concerned about and talking about is the demonstration that was supposed to be in Washington that the alt-right got together over the weekend. And all I've been hearing on the news is how many people that didn't show up. My concern is the ones that didn't show up. They organized that demonstration and took them weeks to organize it. And for them to turn around and disorganize it in a short period of time, and we wasn't aware of it, that seemed to be kind of frightening. I just wanted your opinion of that. Uh, am I that something I should be concerned about? <laughs> to the broader point, I mean, I, I think it's unsettling that these kind of initiatives are taking place in the America of 2018. And one thing the Trump administration has done is exposed a underside of, of America where racism and bigotry in the past was uh, underneath the surface. It's now all out in the open. Uh, and that it does present some opportunity. At least these uh, views are exposed. At least uh, no one is naive that we're in some post-racial society. We still know that race uh, is a big issue in this country. Uh, and I would just say we all have to be more vigilant uh, in uh, making the case for an inclusive, pluralistic America and not take it for granted that uh, we've uh, arrived at that place. 
Monty in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You're on the air with Congressman Ro Khanna. Thanks so much for taking my call. I appreciate it. Um, my question is just what we're seeing now. Obviously, Heather Hyde was murdered by a Trump supporter. We're seeing the Waffle House shooter was a right-wing Trump supporter. You're seeing Trump lock kids up in cages. They're being drugged. They're being tortured. There's an article out now that's saying that over 15,000 innocent civilians were killed last year in airstrikes, up 42% from Obama's last year. Well, I, I appreciate your passion, and I, I agree with a lot of what you've said. I mean, Yemen for, is a classic case of that, where it's our bombs, uh, our refueling, uh, that is uh, literally responsible for the deaths of uh, thousands of Yemenis, uh, for kids being malnourished. And you're absolutely right. Uh, where the Whatever one thinks of Obama's foreign policy, uh, it, he was very careful uh, about uh, the strikes and trying to uh, minimize civilian casualty. Now, I don't agree with all of his decisions. That, uh, I was opposed to uh, some of the uh, invasions, but he took that very seriously. And Trump, uh, as you point out, has taken all of those restrictions off the military. He celebrates that. Uh, it's one of the reasons that I voted uh, against uh, giving him any military increases in the defense budget. I think that should be something all Democrats should be uh, able to agree on, that we shouldn't be funding increases to the military to allow the president to do what he wants. And we need more oversight. So I agree with you, and we'll fight for that. Thank you. Congressman Ro Khanna taking your calls. Joe in Cupertino, California, watching us on Free Speech TV. Joe, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. Congressman Khanna, Tom, have a, have a great day. Um, I had a question. I saw a report in HuffPost over the weekend that apparently there's been a change to the wording in the Democratic Central Committee with Tom Perez's endorsement, allowing the Democrats to accept PAC money, or I'm sorry, money from uh, gas and petroleum. And I thought that was just totally against what we're standing for in this position. I, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, if you could find out and get back. I, I thought that, uh, you know, I understand your position is you're not taking any PAC funds, but is the Demo are the Democrats accepting money from the petroleum industry? Is that the correct interpretation of what I've read? Thank you. I'll take your answer off the air. Well, I'll, I'll have to look into that. I do know that uh, President Obama, when he won in 2008, said that uh, the DNC should stop taking any uh, corporate contributions. Uh, these are just facts. When Hillary became the nominee, they reversed that policy, and uh, the DNC started accepting uh, corporate contributions. And we still have DNC members who are lobbyists. Uh, when uh, the whole race happened for the head of the DNC, uh, I and several others said, regardless of who wins, uh, we need to make sure that the DNC is not accepting corporate contributions, PAC contributions, and no lobbyist should be a member of the DNC. Uh, we lost that fight. So the current policy is that the DNC does accept uh, contributions from corporations and PACs and has lobbyists as members. Uh, now, I know there was a push to at least limit the contributions from uh, oil and gas companies. I, I think we should limit all co corporate contributions, but at the very least, let's limit oil and gas. I don't know how that... Uh, turned out, you may be right that that initiative lost. It was, it was passed last week. The 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 Democratic Party uh, for Tom Perez proposed it, and it was and it passed on Friday. So now they aren't taking the oil and gas. Now money. they are taking. They are taking it. Correct. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's unconscionable. I I, just, I don't understand what world uh, we're living in if we're taking that money. I mean, the whole thing, and you don't have to be 
uh, an idealist to understand that PAC and lobbyist money and corporate money, uh, taking that is terrible politics. I mean, even Connor Lamb, who's far more moderate than I, ran against taking corporate money. Trump ran against the donor class. His whole thing was, I'm so rich, I'm not going to need this money. Uh, there is a sense out there uh, that uh, political process has become corrupt. And just from a sheer political perspective, I would think uh, we wouldn't want to be affiliated with that kind of money. So I need to look more into it, but I can't logically think of a reason, uh, even politically, that we would do something like that. Yeah. It's really outrageous. We just have 35 seconds till the break. Uh, could it be that, uh, you know, with the destruction of the unions, I mean, this is what, this was the rationale for the Democratic Leadership Council back in 91, was that, you know, Reagan has been so effective at destroying the unions, and the unions is, historically were the largest funders of the Democratic Party. We have to look elsewhere. And, and the, the answer back then for, for uh, you know, Bill Clinton and his friends was go to the insurance companies and the banks, because uh, they're clean industries. Um, is, is this indica an indication of financial problems in the DNC? Well, it, it could be, but, you know, Bernie Sanders shows the entire nation that you can raise $230 million in $27 increments. So I, I yeah. think it's laziness that we're not trying to get grassroots funding. There's yeah. an alternative way to do it. Amen. Dave in Buffalo, New York, you are on the air with Congressman Khanna. Uh, thank you, uh, Congressman Kana and Tom. Uh, uh, Congressman, did you know that uh, the perfect cyber wall has been developed for our voting machines? It's called uh, mail-in voting only. Washington State does it, and they have a participation rate of 78%, and it's growing. What's yours? And the advantages, what are some of the advantages to mail-in voting only? One, if it doesn't come to my home in the mail, I can make the determination by a certain date whether I've been pulled off the voting rolls or not. Two, I don't have to leave my couch. Three, if there's bad weather like fires in your neighborhood, or bad weather like snowstorms in mine, uh, I don't have to be concerned about the weather taking away my vote. It's not affecting it. Uh, three, if there is broken down or too few machines, voting machines, in poor and black neighborhoods, uh, that doesn't affect our vote. And three, if you don't trust the mail, you can send the, uh, your vote in by return registered receipt for a couple dollars, and you're guaranteed at least it got there. Sir, we need to move in this direction now. What say you? I'm a big fan of mail-in voting. California does that as well. Uh, we have about a four-week window where people can mail back ballots. Uh, it's increased the participation rate uh, for all the reasons you say. Uh, I don't think it's uh, sufficient, though, in terms of the vote tabulation and security on that. I mean, you still have voting machines that are counting those ballots, uh, and I think there has to be some safeguard of keeping the paper ballot uh, or some other safeguard to assure people that there's not tampering. But I, in terms of allowing people to, to vote by mail, I think that makes a lot of sense and should be expanded. Bill in Lakewood, Colorado, you're on the air with Congressman Conn. Hi, the uh, Republicans are dumping a lot of money into the governor's race here. Right now, the TV ads are 10 to one Republican over uh, Democrat. And they're attacking the Democrat on two things. One is they're saying he's gonna turn Colorado into radical California with its, quote, failed policies. And the other is that the Democrat is for national single payer, like um, Medicare for all. And they're attacking him on that, saying it's going to cost trillions of dollars for government takeover of health care. It'll double our taxes. And what they're not saying is that the trillions of dollars we would save in um, not paying 
premiums to private insurance companies, which are ripping us off. Congressman Conant, this is an ad against a Democrat, but here, this here is the piece. Can I approve this message. Who is the Jared Golden behind this T-shirt? A radical liberal politician. His risky scheme will end Medicare as we know it. Golden's health care scheme? Massive costs. Altering Medicare while its future is in doubt. Over $32 trillion in higher costs and enormous job-killing tax increases to pay for it. Jared Golden, too radical, too risky. See, I think this is the new uh, template that the Republicans are using, Congressman. Your thoughts on how the Democrats should fight back against it? Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, just so intellectually bankrupt. It's uh, it's appalling, and I appreciate the caller about uh, Colorado. I mean, here are the facts. The facts are that currently health care costs this country $3.4 trillion, is going to increase by conservative estimates to $5.6 trillion. That totals a $49 trillion cost over the next 10 years. And Medicare for All, they're right, would cost $32 trillion. But that's a $17 trillion savings. And the savings is uh, basically instead of being ripped off uh, paying uh, Aetna your premium and allowing the Aetna CEO to get $32 million uh, a year, you now uh, are basically paying a much less of a fee uh, for Medicare. And so I, uh, I think we need to uh, have effective ads saying, you know, you're getting ripped off and cheated by these private insurance companies uh, that are taking your money. Uh, that's costing our country $49 trillion to line the pockets of these rich CEOs. And we're going to make uh, give you a better choice, uh, which is to have uh, much more affordable health care that's going to save the government money and save you money. Uh, but I, I, I think we have to get our messaging uh, right and, and be on air taking on these lies. Renee in Buffalo, New York, you're on the air with Congressman Rokana. I just wanted to know why corporations don't back single-payer. Wouldn't they be beneficiaries of that plan? You're absolutely right, ma'am. That they would be huge beneficiaries, not the insurance companies, but ordinary businesses, uh, many of the Fortune 500 companies, small businesses. They're getting killed with the health care costs. It's putting them at a competitive disadvantage, and this would free them up, actually, to be able to do a lot of other things if we had a cheaper insurance, which we would with the through the government. So uh, the the Republicans have made this argument that this is not economically smart, but they're just lying. I mean, this would actually be pro-business. And you know what the proof of that is? I've been one of the strongest champions for Medicare for All, and I represent a district that has Apple, Google, Intel, and some of the richest companies in the world. So it should give you a sense of the politics of this issue. Judy in Denver, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. I think we need to go for, especially for this election, paper ballots and hand counting. The machines use a computer program controlled by the Republicans, easy to manipulate. Wisconsin election integrity and organization in Wisconsin looked at the 2016 election and found that votes were not counted by the machine. So even if we have paper ballots and use the machines to count the vote, it can still be manipulated. You raise a great point on the paper ballots. What I've said to my colleagues is, uh, look, we don't know whether hacking is happening or not. Uh, even if you believe that hacking isn't happening, and I believe there has been hacking and things are compromised, wouldn't it be worth a small investment having paper ballots just to reassure people and regain the public trust? Don't we want people to believe in the validity of our democracy? And uh, I think it's, it's malpractice that we're not trying to restore that trust. 
Thank you. Congressman Ro Khanna, thank you so much for being with us today, sir. Thank you. I always enjoy it. Great. I, I, I do, too. Thank you so much. You can find uh, Congressman Ro Khanna's website at Khanna, K-H-A-N-N-A dot house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep Ro Khanna. We'll be back. You know, in the world of work, one of the most important things is one of the things that people probably think the least about until they have to sit in it, which is their chair. And the X chair is absolutely extraordinary. This is the new high tech. In fact, they've got a brand new version. It's called the X3, the newest version of the X chair. It is comfortable. It is high tech. And yes, I'll say it. It is sexy. This chair is extraordinary and it will dramatically, consequentially improve your concentration and productivity because it's going to help your posture. And, you know, if you're not in pain and your and your blood is working, you know, flowing well, your brain is going to work well. The new X3 is quite simply the most modern, ergonomic, high-tech, comfortable office chair in the world, period. The X3's unique ATR fabric makes it feel like you're literally floating on air. And its patented split-back lumbar technology provides a cradling, customized feel that has to be experienced to believe. You need to see and feel the X3 for yourself. Go to xchairtom.com. That's xchairtom.com now to check out the X3's perfect blend of design and ergonomics. A lot of people, you know, checking these out and going for these chairs. Supplies are limited, so don't wait. Order at xchairtom.com. And if you do it now, you get $100 off. That's xchairtom.com. Or you can call them at 1-844-4X-CHAIR. This chair comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. That's how good it is. Go to xchairtom.com. Right now, use the code TOM, T-H-O-M, to get a free footrest. XChairTom.com. Now back to the podcast. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Lillian in Chicago. Hey, Lillian, what's up? Uh, What's on your mind today? Hi. um, I just wanted to argue with you a little bit about the comparison you made between, like, a homeowner's association and not being in the um, Democratic Party. I'm an independent who's always voted Democrat, but um, I also am a condo owner, and uh, and I have a little bit of resentment if investors who don't live here are trying to tell us how to live. However, there's a big difference between a condo association and a political party. We're talking about a small group of people compared to the country. And um, I think that if the Democrats want my vote, they should they should also want my input into who's nominated, because basically they're saying, no, 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 we don't you can't say anything. But then when the general election comes, please vote for this candidate that you had no say in. I always do. But I think this last election made me really resentful over it because yeah. because I think Bernie should have should have won. So but I voted Hillary. My, my point yeah. is that political parties are closed systems. They are clubs, basically. And if you want to have a say in the club, whether it's a homeowners association or where I used to live in D.C., the Capital Yacht Club or whatever it may be, if you want to have some say in the governance of that club, then you you should join it. You should be a member of it. You should have some skin in the game. And, you know, I, I, this is the debate. Should we have closed primaries or open primaries? 
And the, the, the story I told that caller was that, you know, when I lived in Michigan back in the 60s, George Wallace was the Democratic Party's nominee for president of the United States. Why? Because we had open primaries in Michigan and the Republicans mobilized their voters to vote for George Wallace in the Democratic primary. And, you know, my point is, if you want to have influence over the Democratic Party, um, uh, I missed your name, Lillian. If you want to have uh, influence over the Democratic Party, Lillian, I would strongly suggest that you show up at a meeting of the Democratic Party and say, hey, I'd like to be part of this. I want to have my voice heard. You could have so much more impact. Yeah, I'll have to think about that. <laughs> well, I mean, if you really care about politics and you care about who the Democrats are putting up, why not become the person who decides that? If you become a precinct committee person, which is in most places a volunteer position, it, it requires maybe one night a month. If you become a precinct committee person, not only do you select who can run in the primaries, you also write the platform for the party. I mean, these, these are the most powerful political positions in America. And in most cases, you can simply walk in and say, hey, I volunteer. I'd like to do this. In some places, it's a paid job. I mean, it might be in Chicago. I don't know. But uh, let me please encourage you, Lillian, to look into that. Thanks so much for the call. It is, a, it is an issue that there's not a clear, you know, oh, we definitely should do closed primaries or we definitely should do open primaries. I can see the arguments on both sides. But, you know, the bottom line is the Democratic Party needs good progressive energy. And if you care about these things, get inside the party. Get out there, get active. As Bernie says, as President Obama says, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 